Welcome to PostBurnout.com interviews. My name is Aaron Kavanagh and I'm the website's founder and editor-in-chief. PostBurnout.com is a culture website dedicated to venerating burnt-out artists the world over. Our interviews are mainly recorded to be transcribed, but every now and again we release the audio in a series we call PostBurnout.com interviews. If you enjoy what we do, be sure to subscribe. In this edition of PostBurnout.com interviews, we talk with New Zealand avant-garde noise musician, conductor and teacher Sally Gates. Sally talks about her new album with Trevor Dunn and Greg Fox called The Lyrian Modifier, getting into experimental music, moving from Auckland to New York, balancing teaching with music, her other projects tighten the tachyons and orb weaver, creating artwork, and how neuroscience, consciousness, and quantum physics influence her songwriting. Hey Sally, how's it going? Hey. I'm just how's recording now. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, the first thing I wanted to ask, actually, um, I was kind of like reading up on you a bit. Um, so my understanding is that when it kind of came to, uh, for you, for getting into music, um, for yourself, it was kind of true, um, discovering kind of extreme metal, if that's correct. Um, I was wondering, like, you kind of grew up in New Zealand, if I'm correct. Um, so I was wondering, like, how, um, how fostering is kind of New Zealand to, um, you know, music that's perhaps a little unorthodox? I think it was very, um, accommodating of that like there was a really small scene but it was like quite strong and I think just the isolation it kind of pushes you to like look out and explore and just kind of see like the extremes of things you know and um, even just as a culture I mean like New Zealand's very big into like extreme sports and you know adventures and traveling and all that and I think that's definitely reflected in the music um yeah Yeah. so had you um uh, already been working as a musician before getting into metal or did, what, um, did you discover metal first? I've been playing music since I was probably three or four years old. Uh, like I started on the piano that my family had and then started getting lessons when I was five and um, I guess I grew up listening to like what you'd call classic rock now like you know like Bowie, Zeppelin, Queen, stuff like that and um, I started getting into metal I think probably through my sister like she had she was older than me and her friends like would give her cds and so i'd kind of like just rifle through her collection and um started finding heavier stuff and then i would go to the record store and look through the metal section and then just pick out things that looked interesting and purely by chance i came across emperor's anthems to the welcomes at dusk and i was like oh this looks really interesting it's from norway and let me see what this is about and i just absolutely loved it and then went down that wormhole um, and then a couple of years later, I, you know, I sort of came backwards and I was like, oh, this is Slayer, Metallica, and <laughs> like, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and then, like, um, obviously at the same time, you were doing kind of like a visual art, if I'm, if I'm correct. So I was wondering, like, um, I don't know, were you studying that in school or, or was that just something you were doing kind of as, as a hobby? Yeah, that was just, I guess, something I kind of picked up naturally. Like, I think having an artistic talent sort of runs in my family. And so, I was always like drawing and painting and I kind of felt like I had more of a natural aptitude than that, the music. Like I never felt like I had any music talent. Like I always had to kind of work at it, you know, Um, but you know, painting and artwork just kind of comes naturally to me. So a lot of the times when I'm composing or thinking about music, it's like, I'm thinking about it visually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, One thing I thought was very interesting. I was was listening to an interview with you and uh, you mentioned how uh, Salvador Dali's kind of uh, paintings actually influence how you, and tackle uh, the instrumentation for yourself um yeah i was wondering how like i think for 
a lot of people who probably aren't uh, artistic themselves, it's, it's it's sort of a difficult thing to imagine like how um, the visual aspect can influence the the auditory aspects, I guess, or, you know, vice versa. Um, yeah, I was wondering if maybe you could uh, expand on that a little bit because I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, I think like a good way to tie it together, like that would be relatable for most people is to think of it like a soundtrack, you know, like the, the music's going together with these images and kind of like, one's heightening the other or you know there's like a kind of push and pull there um as far as Dali I mean he was one of the first artists that I got into um like with the surrealism and um and I guess two main concepts really stuck out to me was the melting and then disintegration so you have the persistence of memory is a great example you have like the melting clocks and and then there's the disintegration of the persistence of memory where it all kind of like separates into like little cubes and blocks and so like a lot of the the music I write, like, um, like I kind of think of that like melting warping thing. And I guess that applies to the rhythm, like kind of making things more bendy or squishy and yeah. um, kind of like leaning into things. And then disintegrating uh, is where maybe I'll have like some kind of motif and then it gradually gets pulled apart and played around with. And then, but you can kind of still hear elements of it there, but it's just getting all distorted and, stretched or whatever's happening becoming more angular yeah so. so you think of it in kind of um in terms of like the shapes and I, I like i think it's um i think it's it's it was something that um once i it was kind of brought up to me like i was kind of envisioning from that perspective and kind of trying because i i think when i listen to music i tend to get quite visual too um yeah it was interesting to kind of listen to it from that kind of perspective too um yeah. I was wondering then, like when when it actually came to um, performing music live and actually trying to uh, pursue being a musician as like an actual profession, um, how did you kind of go about that? Like, what what was um, what was like the first early steps? I guess when I was in high school, I uh, tried starting a couple of bands. <laughs> um, so I would just actually I remember like just putting flyers around town, like in Auckland, and you know yeah. just trying find people to play with and because I, I didn't have like any in my friends at school like weren't musicians I didn't really have anyone to play with so I had to kind of like step out of my social circle and find people and then so eventually I got a few bands together and uh, we recorded a demo using songs that I wrote and the other guitar player wrote and then um, and that kind of you know fizzled out as you know bands do <laughs> sure yeah um, and then the first band I actually performed with was a cover band that I put together and we just played like, you know, like Sepulchre, Slayer, probably some Sabbath, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so essentially I, I just tried to play with whoever I could. And then when I was 21, I moved to the States and I got lucky. I was able to step into a touring gig right off the bat. I uh, played bass with Geigen for a few years okay. and, you know, that led to other gigs. Like I had a few tours where I was you know, just a hired gun. And so that was, you know, a great learning experience just in a new country, just like immediately meeting a whole bunch of new people and learning how things work and just kind yeah. of went from there. Was there any kind of intimidation um, kind of going from uh, a country that's like relatively small, like New Zealand to, you know, such a massive, vast place like the US? Any kind of what, sorry? Like uh, it's such a kind of like uh, vast place as like the US, it comparatively, like was it uh, kind of a culture shock or was it an easy transition? There was definitely culture shock. Um, I mean, I traveled before and, you know, like I was saying, like New Zealand culture, like you really 
you're encouraged to travel and have like your big OE and all that, you know, yeah. so um, that wasn't so much like a new thing, but it was still, you know, I moved to Florida to start with and that was definitely a culture shock. Like I yeah. wasn't, really, I didn't know much about the place, didn't know what to expect. And then I get there and it's just strip malls for miles. <laughs> and like, I mean, I, I like to call it like a lack of culture shock. Cause sure. I'm like, what do, okay. what do people do? What are, you know, um, <laughs> what's going on? Um, but then eventually like uh, I moved a bit closer like to North Miami and that was a much more interesting place. Like it's more of a melting pot and there's like a really interesting creative music scene there. And, you know, there's people from, you know, all over like South America and the Caribbean and Central America. And so it's, um, yeah, that was a lot more of a, um, yeah, just sort of creative, interesting place. <laughs> then also, I, th I think you, um, then for a while, you uh, you toured New Zealand, uh, kind of um, going back for a while, like, and um, I, I believe you played like uh, the opera houses there, is that correct? And like, what was the kind of reception then when you kind of like uh, came back then as a professional musician? Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I hadn't played there since I left, basically, like when I was 20 years old and playing in a grindcore band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So to come back and play the Wellington Jazz Festival at the Opera House, that was just like a, you know, like a 180, I guess. And yeah. um, it, was, it was incredible. I mean, I was just playing solo and I was just, you know, being me, doing all my weird stuff. And uh, it was really nice to actually be so well received, you know, like I had the, the festival crew, like they were amazing, like they were so supportive and um, they got a lot of good press. Like I spoke on Radio New Zealand and um, I even got to write a, an article about what I do for the newspaper. And so it was just like amazing to come home to that kind of reception. And then um, I also worked with Audio Foundation, um, who's a great organization. Like they booked me in a lot of other gigs around the country and like improvising with different people. So it was kind of great to come back into the music scene there and, but like a different side of it, like it, you know, it wasn't like the metal scene that I was used to and I knew people. So it was, um, yeah, it was great to just kind of see what was going on locally. and meet a lot of musicians there yeah <laughs> i just heard the cars people in the background <laughs> so then obviously you worked at them with the band orb weaver um and then um you uh, started uh, your own band if, if i'm getting the chronology correct so you started yeah. your own band then uh titan to tacton um yeah i was wondering because I, I my understanding is that with orb weaver you were kind of just more um like uh, facilitating other people's kind of music whereas with uh, Titan you're kind of like um you're very much kind of the, the ringleader would that be correct yeah like Orb Weaver actually came out of Geigen um so it was Randy Pyro's project like he we both left Geigen around the same time and so he started this new band and I ended up joining him with that and you know I would contribute to the music like the arrangements and I'd write my solos and harmonies but it was you know it was largely his project um, so Titan's Tachyons was really my first time being a band leader and doing everything myself. And it was just like, it was a really necessary process. Like it was a great challenge and good change for me, like just getting to completely express who I was and what I wanted to do and like, you know, find my musical voice. And, you know, I was very fortunate to link up with the band members that I have, like they're all, they were completely on board, like totally got what I was trying to do. And, um, yeah, they're all just incredible musicians. Like I'm very fortunate to work with them. And then uh, your new project then is obviously um, I have here. Sorry, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> Keystone Fox. Is that correct? The order? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, um, Trevor Dunn, you've worked with in, in your bands before. Um, yeah, I was wondering kind of what inspired this kind of like, um, uh, I know you've also worked with, uh, I know you've also worked with Greg. So I was wondering like what, um, what kind of inspired this new project then? So this actually uh, started back in 2019. Uh, so Ava Mendoza, she's another guitar player here. Uh, she had a, an album release show and she asked me to play so i just i put together this group to improvise and that's one thing i love doing here is you know playing improv shows and then just sort of curating lineups like seeing who's available like what might be interesting and it's usually with people like i've never played with before so it's always fun to see what comes out uh so i mean i played with trevor before i think that might have been the first time i played with greg so i just thought that might be like a really interesting trio and so we played the show and then of course you know like COVID happened all that and then so i guess like early 2021 when things were kind of like just starting to come back you know and um i thought this might be a cool thing to pick up again just as like a project coming out of that and so we got together a couple of times at greg's studio and just kind of you know played together and got back into the groove of things and it was kind of strange for me i don't know about the other guys but i mean like just not having played with anyone for like a year or so and then just like being back in the room it was like kind of strange so um it took a little bit to get back into it and then uh you know i i just wanted to keep things moving i wanted to like keep putting out music so i was like why don't we go record like this might be an awesome experiment <laughs> you know and um yeah one thing i also wanted to, to highlight was that i think um i believe this project compared to your projects like and um, your projects i believe sometimes got um had the feel of uh, sort of uh, being created in improv uh, improvisationally um whereas like they're actually quite meticulously crafted uh, whereas i believe this one has a lot more room for uh improv um and i was also wondering like um like uh, sonically how do you think it, it differs it differs from your other projects because when i was listening to it i felt it had a lot more of a kind of a uh, loose structure to it. it it really did feel like um sometimes people use this derogatory but like i, I just sincerely like it felt kind of like a jam session but in a good way where it's like you know you're actually getting something of, of merit <laughs> um, yeah I mean that was sort of the aim was to have some kind of structure to it um and going in you know I did want to differentiate this from Titans Tachyons and like you say I mean Titans is like probably like 80 percent composed like there's definitely a lot of improvisation and um but it, it's it's still loose like there's things where like we don't you know like i always improvise my solos like i never play the same thing and then there's sections you know like i was talking about like the disintegration thing where we'll have that will be like kind of like an improv thing and so but yeah largely like this gates Dunn fox is almost entirely improvised um we did you know like two days in the studio and then edited things down and kind of like arranged it a little bit and there was one song uh nobody and nothing that trevor like really heavily edited like he sort of actually made a structure to it and then i put some overdubs in but other than that i mean it's just like what we just played on the spot you know and um one of the big concepts from this album with the structure was um like perception versus hallucinations and reality and the kind of controls and limitations behind that like i uh, i was sort of diving into like neuroscience and consciousness and quantum physics like i was doing a lot of reading over the pandemic 
And this one lecture really struck me. It was by this neuroscientist called um, Anil Seth. And he just had this one concept where he said, um, perception is controlled hallucinations and hallucinations are uncontrolled perception. Okay. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of, <laughs> that's an amazing thought, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, essentially, you know, like your brain is generating your reality. It's like hallucinating what's around you, like based on the information that is given from your senses. Yeah. And so if you have, if this information isn't controlled, you don't have any limitations on it, or you have overly strong perception, then it starts to look like you're hallucinating. So for us to function and survive, it needs to be reined in. And I was like, you know what, that's kind of similar to improvisation, because if you just go at it, you know, it can kind of descend into this like hallucinatory chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes things come out of that, like there's a lot of cool accidents that will happen or, you know, um, it'll find its way, but sometimes it can descend into noise and not really have any kind of like musical survival, if you will, you know? Yeah. So from the, the jam sessions that we'd been doing, we'd, already started playing around with these concepts of like like limitations and form like having time limits or saying you can only play these five notes or like maybe you have we have to do like an aba thing and then go free and then come back to a or whatever you know just like which pretty traditional in structure but um but i started noticing that actually having these like cues or controls on it you know it made it a lot more functional and musical and one thing that really seemed to work well with us was the time limit, just keeping things really short. And we would kind of just come up with numbers in the studio. It'd be like three minutes, 52 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> see what happens. So. Well, one thing I did notice actually is that, yeah, comparatively it is, um, they're very short. It's definitely not kraut rock or something like that. Um, but <laughs> one thing like I, I think is really cool is that the, I think the individual characters of, of your music kind of shine through. I think from Trevor, you really hear that kind of sort of tribal, uh, earthy kind of drumming. From Greg, you really hear that kind of um, electronic kind of uh, keys. And from yourself, I think you really hear that kind of like looping and effects and stuff. So I think it is a, a really great amalgamation and, and kind of showcase of you three as musicians kind of coming to make a cohesive whole yeah thank you i mean yeah, yeah I, I figured like just everybody's personalities and styles in this group would be a, a very cool mix you know just having those individual elements yeah uh, the album is called uh sorry uh delirium uh, modifier um and yeah it's, it's coming out uh, next month um yeah i was wondering do you have any kind of like anticipations for or are you just kind of like happy if anyone you know has a good time yeah basically that i mean if i hope people enjoy the record and we're planning an, an album release show which will be on the 25th of october at sundown bar in richwood which is new york here yeah. um and yeah i mean we we really wanted to like present this as a nice product as well like we have like trevor and i collaborated on the, the cover art so um as you might have seen from my other artwork like i'm really into like sort of geometric like bright shapes and colors and you know so kind of like um optical illusions and that and so i sort of play around with that a little bit and then trevor does collages so he makes some layers and then i'd add to it and so that, that was a really fun process too and it was sort of similar to how the music was created uh and then so to, to complete that package, you know, we're putting out on vinyl and it's uh, the vinyl matches the colors of the album. So like the, the album cover. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, it's going to be like a, a nice 
physical thing for people to have. Would that be a limited release or? Yeah, we just did 300 copies through uh, Riverworm. Perfect. Um, yeah, I guess uh, one final thing I'd ask is, um, I believe if I'm correct, you're actually a music teacher uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was wondering, like, um, what kind of, what kind of um, sort of inspired you to want to take music, I guess, to a kind of didactic level like that and to try and, you know, actually uh, influence or, or kind of foster uh, younger talents? It's just something that happened naturally. Like, I'd always enjoy showing friends how to do things on the guitar. So um, I also worked at guitar stores for a long time. And so people would actually come and ask me for lessons. And at first I was like, well, I don't teach, but then I was like, well, maybe I should, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So So. yeah, yeah, I just, I, I enjoy it. Like I like helping people learn and figure things out. And it's, it's, I mean, it's great as a musician too. Like you, like you learn a lot yourself. Like you have to, you know, be prepared for the less like you have to prepare material and you have to like kind of guide people through this learning arc and so it's just I th- it's just beneficial all around do you ever find that the two kind of occupations uh, uh, ever kind of like um conflict with each other or? no i think they're pretty conducive to each other um i mean like teaching and gig hours tend to fit you know like teach in the day have a gig at night and um yeah and i also i mean a lot of my day job is more art based. Like I do, excuse me, I'm graphic design and um, photo editing and all all kinds of things like commission paintings. And (laughs) so. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah. So I think that's everything I had to ask. Is there uh, anything you'd like to add before we wrap up or. Um, Just thanks so much for having me and taking the time. Um, It's yeah. It's nice that you sort of dove in and did research. I appreciate that. (laughs) I try my best. (laughs) Cool. Thanks very much. Enjoy the rest Thank of Thank you for listening to that episode of the postbornout.com so interviews. We hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for more. Bye.